In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. On the Sundays that precede, that go before the Nativity of Christ, we remember those who have lived before the appearing of the Son of God as he became man. Last week we remembered the forefathers in sort of a more general sense, and on this Sunday we have the genealogy of Christ and Matthew's account of the birth of our Lord. The story of Christmas begins way, way before Christ's birth. We have heard in this genealogy today accounting of the ancestors of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's covered probably about 2,000 years of history in all of those begats. And I saw many of your faces and probably mine losing track of all of it and sort of like, how long is this going to happen? Well, it's 2,000 years of history that are being accounted for. And though our mind wanders while we're hearing this, that genealogy is very, very important because it leads up to the birth of Jesus, the son of Mary, the Theotokos. St. Matthew begins his gospel with this genealogy because Jesus Christ was not just a vision, as in some sort of dream, who pretended to suckle at his mother's breast, nor did he pretend to walk and speak, nor did he just act out some sort of script as he underwent the tortures of the Passion and the Cross. He was not a fictional character unconnected to reality. That means unconnected to the human experience of human joy, of suffering, and of pain. The evangelist Matthew begins in this way because there is no doubt that Jesus Christ was a real person of flesh and blood. His ancestors are King David and the righteous Abraham. He is the fulfillment of all the elements told to us in the Old Testament which God prepared for and then went and pointed toward. All of those ancestors point toward Christ. And they're God's preparing his people. For 14 generations, the people of God were ruled by judges. And these were the prophets giving the word of God to them. For 14 generations, the people of God, after their captivity, were ruled by kings. For 14 generations, the people of God were ruled by priests, offering sacrifices for the people. The judges, kings, and prophets connected the people of God to their God, and those of the faith of Abraham to their Father in heaven. The genealogy brings us to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who is the judge, the king, and the priest of all humanity. However, Christ's lineage does not only have men of renown and piety. It includes foreigners and grave sinners within the people, these chosen people. Unusually, we have four women that are mentioned in the genealogy. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Uriel's wife, with whom David sinned greatly, one of the kings of Israel. This is abnormal since in the Old Testament law, only fathers should be accounted in a genealogy. These women, who in different ways are people who appear out of place in the holy lineage. Tamar and Rahab and Uriel's wife 
all become subject to serious and unseemly sins that none should follow, but we should follow them in their repentance before God when where they were freed from those sins. And Rahab and Ruth were foreigners that were not by bloodline part of that promise of Abraham. However, Rahab helped the men of God in Jericho and joined them and became part of the people of God because of that choice. And Ruth chose to follow the God of Abraham as her own, and she is the great-grandmother of the King David. So why is it that St. Matthew seems to break this rule and include these kinds of people? Ought we to be scandalized that they are dirtying up the pristine lineage of the Lord? Is the mother of God and even Jesus Christ soiled by their presence here? Of course, the answer is no. He is not soiled by this. This is the entire point of the gospel given to us from the very beginning. That God came to save sinners. God is telling us in his love for us that we should not despair when we sin. Even though these people sinned or were separated from God's people in ways that many of us may sin or be separated from God, they are still counted and included in that holy line that results and springs forth from the Theotokos. She who is the all-pure and the very best which humanity could give to God and also had great sinners as her ancestors. And so that means our Lord did too. These sins and these people did not prevent our loving and just and good God from deciding to descend from earth and become human. While we were yet sinners, he came to save us by first becoming a little infant. God began his earthly life as a child and lived in every way as we do, except he never sinned. God planned to save us in this way because he wants to make us his sons and daughters. He never lets our turning away from him stop his promise that we may be his. We are shown by the inclusion of these women and other sinners in the genealogy that God is not excluding anyone from his promise. God calls us to repent of our sins and miraculously, somehow in his wisdom, he responds by making our weakness part of his divine providence to save all of us. God uses whatever it is that we have, if we give it to him, to reshape in his good will, that we may be saved and changed to become like him. Christ, in becoming man, saves all humanity, that is, all people, no matter how far they may have fallen. Christ is able to raise all people from their falls. God's plan is for all people, even those that seem like they should not belong. Our God is a God that intimately works with humanity to bring up his people as a parent, as a loving father, who guides his children until they are mature. This is what makes him so great. He is determined to prepare a people to be ready to join him in his holy work. The genealogy is an account of the people God chose to help all other people, not of that bloodline, to be ready for the time that the Son of God 
would be born in the flesh. He wove the threads of those holy offices of judge, king, and priest together from one generation to the next in the presence of those who seem not to belong until the fullness of the offering of humanity could be made in complete freedom and cooperation with God's own labors. Just as a gardener or a fine metalsmith would choose some sort of plot of land or some clump of metal to begin his craft, so God chose these certain people to teach them how to serve his will, however imperfectly they may have done so. God adopted the sons of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob so that one woman would be born of the holy and righteous parents. This genealogy sends, ends with Joseph the betrothed, the protector of the pure offering of humanity, of, of humanity to God. And then we get the story of the Theotokos, almost, with, almost without any transition. But those forebears are also her forebears. The righteous forebears of Christ are the priest, Joachim, and his wife, Anna. And they would dedicate their daughter to God. And this daughter would be, the he without hesitation, know and trust God's word. This was God's great plan, to lead his people to be able to offer him a pure offering. Through her, he would unite himself to each of us as a human being. This woman named Mary was dedicated as a child to God by her parents and raised unwaveringly to trust in God with her whole life. She is the purpose for God's millennium-long work to cultivate and refine over 42 generations of people. Their pinnacle with the generation of one to the next of these people was her. His labors reached up to her, and the holy Mary became the mother of God. This holy virgin gave her free and full yes to God, to God's messenger when he came. And by that word, she bore and gave birth to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It is her Son that unites all things in himself through his holy and sacred, sanctified lineage. This messenger, the angel Gabriel, came to Joseph, her betrothed husband. And after he discovered that Mary, whom he had not touched, had become pregnant, he began to feel tortured and upset in his soul because he was not sure how he should treat her. This righteous man did not want her to be punished. And the scripture calls him righteous because even in his doubt about perhaps her fidelity, he had compassion. And the angel then calms his doubts and assures him that she was given as a child through the work, given a child through the work of the Holy Spirit. The angel tells him that when the child is born, people would proclaim him to be Emmanuel. And by this proclaiming, Joseph and all the people would know and believe that God is with us. It is this little child that Joseph will welcome into the world when Mary gives birth to him in the cave in Bethlehem. It is this child who will save his people from their sins. And since Joseph was a righteous man, he listened to the angel and was an obedient servant of the Lord and did as the angel had told him. He protected Mary, named him as his adopted son, Jesus, 
And in this way, God provided a loving human protector to guard the Son of God and his mother from the violent plans of the evil one since the time for the God-man's sacrifice had not yet arrived. St. Ignatius of Antioch teaches that in the obedience of Joseph, we see God's preparation and protection that's provided for us. Joseph's, Joseph's betrothal to the Virgin Mary clothes Christ's birth in a mystery, the mystery of silence. Just as the death and the resurrection of the Son of God were covered before they were revealed to all mankind. St. Ignatius tells us this, Now the virginity of Mary was hidden from the prince of this world, as was also her offspring, the death and the death of the Lord. Thus these three mysteries of renown, the virgin birth, the incarnation, and the Lord's impending death and resurrection, which were wrought in silence, have now been revealed to us. Joseph preserved the mother of he who created the entire world and who would save us from the sins that destroy our very selves. And Joseph became the adopted father of the only begotten Son of God. What mysteries are given in such simple words from the Gospel today? By simple, holy trust and obedience, Mary received God in her womb, and Joseph became God's adopted father. Adoption is the central work of God's salvation. Christ's holy genealogy lists those born in the lineage and those who were adopted into the faith of Abraham. God promised to Abraham that his children would be more numerous than, as, than the sand. And when God said this, he was not only promising Abraham numerous children and grandchildren, as would make any grandparent happy, but God the Father was also saying that those who were not related to Abraham by flesh and blood would count him as their forefather too. The genealogy we have heard all the way up to Joseph and Mary is made up both of natural children and children according to the law. Christ descends from Abraham and David and, it's, and is the fulfillment of the promise given to them. When you unite to Christ at, at your baptism, and in the celebration of the nativity of the Lord, we join this whole royal and priestly and prophetic heritage, and the promises of God become yours. We become his people and join God's labors for the salvation of mankind. You who put on Christ are able to call Abraham your father because you believe the God of Abraham and trust him in all things and in all circumstances. You who trust God who is born of the ever-Virgin Mary the Theotokos. God's promise is given to you by a spiritual adoption, which all of us may join as equal to those born according to Abraham's flesh, and even more so for the faith surpasses mere earthly blood. Anyone in the world that praises, thanks, and glorifies God as the Son of God who took on flesh may join his grace-filled and divine plan that saves each of us. And in your own ways, whether they're great or small, in your repentant thanksgivings for his mercy, you can be obedient to where God calls you and trust what he has accomplished and what he is still doing for you. Receive Christ in the cave of your heart, you who worship and praise his birth, 
when you come to celebrate the Nativity. Just in a few days. We will draw closer to God when we do this than anyone who follows after the externals of the old law. For it is by the law of grace that you can call yourselves sons and daughters of Abraham and join in God's promise to him. And even greater than being Abraham's children from his flesh, you are the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ who put him on. As you put him on. You become his children in baptism and are given the power to grow in your trust of God. And in this way, you become a holy people. You join to Jesus in his birth, his death, and his resurrection. In that glorious future, and, the final, and when the final resurrection happens, you will made, be made perfect children of God, seeing and experience God's radiance in that great resurrection when there is no sting or scent of death, and in that place and time when there is only life abundantly given to each of us as our inheritance as the sons and daughters of God. So today, let us seek with joy the blessing and the salvation that he offers to you. Come, glorify, and celebrate the Son of God's approaching birth and unite him with him. Prepare to receive him and glorify the holy birth of the Savior Jesus Christ, the fulfillment and the pinnacle of the continuous activity of God for us. Amen.